Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians 2. I'm thankful for the way that the Lord worked things out. We've been in the book of Philippians now for some time on Sunday mornings. And it just so happens that uh, the place that we land on this first Sunday of our missions month is what I believe to be one of the greatest challenges really uh, for God's people in regard to missions and how we can serve uh, within our church and through our church in furthering the gospel. Last week we looked at this situation of uh, the Apostle Paul and his desire to send Timothy back to Philippi to communicate between them. And, and, I, and I really tried to bring out in that how uh, I, I'm just always amazed that when I look at the Bible, it's so rich, it's so deep, it's so spiritual, but it's also so practical. And really what you're looking at is just this example of how uh, a man who's trying to follow the will of God for his life uh, faces circumstances that, like you and I face. There are certain things we desire and, and want to take place, but, but we're not able to for whatever reason, and so we have to just trust God and follow the leadership of the Lord in various aspects, and, and, and it's just so practical in so many ways. And so we looked at that last week of Paul trying to send Timothy to the church at Philippi to try to comfort them and help them and encourage them, and now we're going to look at this example of a man that I would say most people, unless they're really familiar with their Bible, probably would not know who he is or what he did, but he is a tremendous example of how God can use unknown people like you and me for his glory. And so we're in Philippians 2. If you're able to stand, I invite you to do that one last time this morning as we read this passage of Scripture, Philippians 2, beginning in verse number 25. And here... The, the Apostle Paul, under Holy Spirit inspiration, says to the church at Philippi, Yet, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of an unsung hero. An un unsung hero. Why don't you be seated? Thank you for standing. I appreciate it. And uh, what, a, what an interesting situation here. So Paul has talked about his, uh, his desire or his need to send Timothy back to the church at Philippi to check in on them. He himself is indisposed at the moment as he is in prison for preaching the gospel. And he, he's concerned about this church at Philippi. And so he wants to send Timothy, a like-minded fellow worker in the Lord, 
But he says, yet I supposed it necessary, or in the meantime, we could say, I, I sent to you, and he names this man, a man that's named only a couple of times in the Bible, right here in the book of Philippians, a man by the name of Epaphroditus. Now, if you were to go through a, a, a book of uh, the greatest Bible characters of all time, you'd probably run into people like David and Moses and Abraham and Paul and, and, and obviously Jesus, the greatest of all. We would, we would know of some of these individuals, but if you were to list in there Epaphroditus, or if you were to go to a, a Sunday school class and ask the average uh, child or even adult in church, who was Epaphroditus and what did he do? I think a lot of people would scratch their heads and go, Epaphra who? Because he's not a well-known man. But I want to say this to you. He was well known to the members of the church at Philippi. And he was well known to the Apostle Paul. And he was well known because he was a servant. He was a servant of the Lord. He was committed to the work that God had given him to do. And so he says, I sent this Epaphroditus to you. And really by reading it, you get the understanding that Epaphroditus was this man probably that carried this letter from the hand of Paul to the church at Philippi. And, and here's what we learn of this man. He was sent, he was a member of the church at Philippi who was sent to assist Paul in his ministry and in his labors. We find that. Uh, in at the end of verse number 25, uh, Paul's called him my brother and companion of labor uh, and, and, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. If you look down to verse number 30, he says, For the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. And then if we were to go over to chapter 4, we would find in verse number 18... He says, but I have all and abound, and am I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So you, you, you kind of, by comparing these scriptures, get the understanding that this was a man in the church at Philippi uh, who was simply sent as a representative of the church to try and assist and help Paul in his ministry. What's really interesting about this to me is that we have no record anywhere in Scripture that Epaphroditus was a God-called, uh, ordained man, that he was a preacher or anything like that. We just simply get the perspective that he was a, a man of the church of Philippi, that the, that the church there had a, had a burden, had a heart for Paul and his ministry, and wished that they could all go and be a part of it, but knowing that that was not feasible, it wasn't reasonable, they selected from among their number a representative who would go and carry, they, he would be the communication bridge between Paul and the church at Philippi. He would bring gifts and offerings. Uh, he would assist and help out in the work uh, that was there. And, and, and this is the man, this is who he was. We also learn, as we read, that he had been sick. Along the way, he had, he had come down with some kind of an illness. Now, People get sick, and, and you could get sick anywhere, but the Bible says specifically in verse number 30 that it was for the work of Christ that he was nigh unto death. So whether he had become ill 
in his travels or whether his time with Paul had worsened his condition, we don't necessarily know. But Paul says he was all about to die because of the work of Christ. I mean, he had given himself completely to this ministry. Now, if, if you put yourself in this situation, here's a man in the first century A.D. traveling all over kind of the known world at that time in uh, Gentile places that were not overly developed, and it's very likely that there were difficult travel conditions, and the, there were poor living conditions, and there was different food, and there were probably in some places not the greatest hygiene and medical practices, and, and there were probably foodborne and waterborne illnesses and all kinds of things that people would have had to deal with, and to some degree we even have to deal with those things today as we travel to different parts of the world. And so here he is, trying to minister, trying to go about the work that the Lord has given him to do, and he comes down with some kind of an illness that almost takes his life. And according to verse number 26, he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he heard that he had been sick. So somehow word gets back to his home church that he's been sick and obviously they're concerned about him and now he's burdened because boy my church family they're back home worrying about me and it's just contributing to the problem so Paul says I sent him home I sent him home but there's some things that Paul says about Epaphroditus and, 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 I, and I really believe every, every word of God is pure. Everything that God put in the Bible, he put there for a reason. And these things are here for our admonition and learning. And so what are we to learn from the example of Epaphroditus? I want to first of all show you his ministry. I mentioned this a moment ago, but, but I want you to notice this. He says in verse number 25, I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus... My brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but, he, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Now, when we today in the 21st century use the word wants, those are things that we desire, usually above and beyond what we need. In fact, I was talking to my kids the other day about one of my kids. We were in a store and he was pointing out, we should get this and we should get this. And I said to him, son... You need to learn the difference between wants and needs. There's a difference between wants and needs. But when Paul uses the word wants here, he's not using it in the sense of my desires. He, the, the word want in the Bible is often in reference to that which is lacking, that which is missing. It, it refers to the needs and so when he says that, 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 that it was he that ministered to my wants, he's not saying, hey, thanks for sending Epaphroditus with that bag of M&Ms that I can't get over here in this part of the world. What he's saying is, you sent him to fill in some areas where I had some need. He came and helped out with things that I was desperately in need of. In verse number 30, he says that he was not regarding uh, his life to supply your lack of service toward me. This is not an insult to the church. It's just a reality. We have today missionaries all over the world, some of them living in very developed places like this, some living in very difficult conditions. We just recently uh, took on for support the Corey Rowley family. 
They're living over in Papua New Guinea in the bush. They have to take a trip every couple of weeks into a city. They have to, to get on an airplane, a bush plane, and fly out of the village uh, to, to a city where they can buy groceries for their family. I mean, that's how remote they are living, and they're, they're cut off. And there are some things that you and I, we wish that we could help them out with. You know, I wish that I could could supply them with some electricity and a, and a comfortable place to live. I wish that I could provide them with groceries and, and help them out with some of their daily needs, but we can't do that. We're, we're over here on this side of the world. God's not called us to be there, and so there's a lack of supply. There's a lack of ability to really give them what we would like to or even what they need sometimes. And so Paul is saying, listen, you recognize this need And so you sent Epaphroditus to minister to those needs. Epaphroditus, again, not a God-called man that we can see, not a a preacher of the gospel uh, outside of being a personal witness, not a church planner, not an ordained man, but one who was sent to represent the church and assist in the ministry uh, of Paul. And I just want to say to you that this is an often overlooked but very, very important ministry. This is often overlooked, but it is very important. We often think of it this way. We think in terms of, well, you know, there's the, there are the pastors and the missionaries, the people that God has called, and then there's like the rest of us. You know, there's lay people. And what do we do? Well, we come to church and we're faithful and we might serve in some different areas. We clean around the building, sing in the choir and teach a Sunday school class, you know, whatever the case is. But we're not really the ones that God has tasked with this responsibility. And let me just say to you, without taking the time to get into all this and develop all this, the Bible is very clear that the Great Commission, to the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is not a commandment for the called. It is a commandment specifically given to New Testament churches. And if you are a member of this church, we have been commissioned. We as a church have a commission from God. And you as an individual member, the Bible would say in 1 Corinthians 12, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, meaning you bear the same responsibility that I do in the furtherance of the gospel. And you and I bear the same responsibility as the missionaries that we have on the wall over there in in furthering the gospel. Now, your role might look different, but the responsibility is on your shoulders every bit as much. And so you need to understand that that here's a man... That he was nothing special by man's terms. There was nothing about him that stood out. But, but he was a man that was given a responsibility. Go and help. Why is this such a need? Well, let me just say, first of all, that as someone who has been called and has been sent, it is very likely, and, 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 and it, honestly, it does happen, in every situation, that missionaries become discouraged. Missionaries become discouraged. Let me just fill you in a little bit on some of the realities of life on a mission field. There is a degree of spiritual warfare that you face that's different than you've ever faced before. 
For one, you're ministering in a different part of the world, and, and without getting into all the details of spiritual warfare, there are different avenues of attack that Satan uses in different places in the world. And a lot of times you're going into places that really are a stronghold for the enemy. And there's a lot of resistance. And so there, there is spiritual warfare that, that missionaries face. And sometimes they even feel guilty about some of the temptations and difficulties that they're facing. They don't know how to communicate that to their churches back home. There is a degree of isolation and loneliness. There is separation from your church family? Uh, have you ever been, been sick, maybe for a week or two, and, and not been able to come to church, and just kind of felt like when you finally got back to church, it was like, whew, man, I've missed this. I didn't even know how much I missed it. Well, imagine that, only you're gone for four years at a time, and kind of out of sight and out of mind, and the people back home don't really, I mean, their lives are going on and changing and the kids are growing and you're not part of that and you're, you're separated from your family and you're, you're missing out on holidays and graduations and weddings and funerals and all of those things. I'm mean, just saying there's some loneliness that comes along with that. There's some, there's some isolation and that can be an avenue that, that Satan can use to try to discourage people. And then along with that, there's oftentimes financial hardships that come into play, and you can't just go out and pick, out some, uh, pick up some side jobs because you're in a foreign country, you can't go earn an income there. And then there can be ministry challenges, problems within the work, problems with other missionaries. Just say, I'm just saying there's, there's a multitude of things that we could talk about that Satan will use to try to discourage the people that God has called and sent. And sometimes they need some encouragement from us. I want to, if you, you'll hold your place here in Philippians and go back with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, if you would. Now, we read in chapter 4 earlier this morning, and we, we'll probably be back there in just a moment, but let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I want to show you what Paul said here in 2 Corinthians 7, in verse number 6. So 2 Corinthians 7, verse 6. Well, we'll actually back up. Let's look at verse number 5. He says, For when we were come into Macedonia... Now, think about this. If you know your Bible, Acts chapter number 16 is the, what we call the Macedonian call. Paul and his team are trying to discern where does God want us to go. They're trying this door and trying that door. And the Lord saying, no, not here, not there. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the Lord brings a vision to, to Paul. And it was a man from Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. He says, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So, so they went following what they knew was the will of God. And we said, boy, I wish I had a Macedonian call. I wish I knew so certainly what God wanted me to do. But did you know that even when you have that calling on your life, that does not mean that you're problem free. Because he said, when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. There was problems, uh, there were external problems that we knew how to communicate. But inwardly there was as much conflict as there, were, there was outwardly. And then he says in verse number 6, 
Nevertheless, God, which those words, wow, those are some power, powerful words. Whatever you're facing today, nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by what? By the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. So here's what he says. We went into Macedonia and the first thing we faced was problems, opposition, difficulties, trials. And, and, and all of this that was coming on us outwardly just stirred up these fears within us, this discouragement. But God, who knows how to comfort those who are cast down, brought to us a man by the name of Titus, this fellow servant. And boy, that brought comfort to our hearts, but not just, the, not just his presence. But when he was able to communicate to us, your fervent mind toward us. When he reassured us of your love, of your commitment, of your prayers, when he reminded us that we were not alone in the work, we were encouraged. Think about that, friend. So when he says here, listen, this Epaphroditus, you sent him, to minister to my wants. Well, that's a necessary thing because sometimes missionaries get discouraged and they need someone to come and comfort, come and help them, come and encourage them, be there for them, be with them. Let me say this also, not only uh, can they be, become discouraged by the issues of the field, but one of the very discouraging things, uh, when you do feel all of those uh, um, realities of life on the mission field, one of the things that is very discouraging is when it seems like the people back home don't care or don't even know. Here we're supposed to be partnered together, working together. You know, and, and I've seen this, I've experienced this before. When a missionary comes in and for the last year and a half, they've been sending letters asking for prayer about a special project or something that they're working on. And then they come in to report to the church years later and the church has no idea that they're even doing that. Oh, I didn't even know that you moved. I didn't even know that there was a difference. In what does that tell them? You're not praying for me. You're not reading the letters that I send out. And, and that really can, it can make you feel like you're all alone. It can make you feel like you're all alone. And Satan loves to use isolation. So missionaries can get discouraged. Secondly, let me say this, missionaries have needs. They have needs. Beyond just their emotional needs, the discouragement that, that, that is there. Let me tell you something. Living life in a foreign country has challenges Living life in certain countries has a lot of challenges. Just living. So my family and I, we went and spent uh, 2020 in Liberia, West Africa. And one of the biggest shocks to our system, and we've been on mission fields all over the world, and so we, we didn't really expect it to be a whole lot different, but one of the things that was so shocking to us was how much time and effort just went into living. The amount of work that it took to, for instance, prepare meals from scratch 
with ingredients that you know you may have trouble finding and 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 cooking with you know utensils and 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 equipment that may not work very well um that takes time oh and then washing clothes you know that's not like hey throw a load in the washer and put some soap in there i mean it's like you know get out the buckets and and the soap and now we're going to do laundry for eight people by hand and try to hand or or hang it out on the line to dry during the rainy season, you know, where it rains every day. And, and different, I mean, there are just challenges with that. And then I could talk to you for hours about all the maintenance issues that we had to deal with, and, but I can't because I'll get a nervous tick because I just, it was, it, was, it was constant. And some days you literally worked for 12 hours that day just trying to live. And then there's all kinds of other issues that go into that and I'm just saying, there are some unique uh, challenges that come with that. And so how can, you say, well, how could, how could I help with that? Well, uh, how about this? Think about this. Um, missionary moms sometimes need some help homeschooling the kids. You know, they could use someone to come and help be a math tutor for a while. Or to give mom a break while she deals with some other things. Sometimes missionaries get sick or they have an injury or an illness, but they don't have mom and dad there or, or brothers or sisters or a church family to come around them and help them. You know, they need someone to come help with some of the daily needs. Sometimes the parents need some time alone and they need a date night. As I mentioned, they might, they might need some help on maintenance on vehicles or generators or the building that they're living in. They might need help in their ministry to accomplish some goals for evangelism, special projects, vacation Bible schools, things of that nature. I'm just saying there's a hundred things that you can do that you could say, well, I don't necessarily feel like God's called me to go and plant churches somewhere else, but God can use you to be a blessing. God can use you to help someone else. Epaphroditus was this, was this co-laboring uh, a representative from the church at Philippi to say, Paul, you are not alone, but we are with you. How can we help? I think one of the greatest examples in, in the, the Bible of a mentorship, discipleship, would be that of Elijah and Elisha. Did you know that before Elisha assumed Elijah's role as prophet, do you know what his main ministry was? At least what he was known for? anointing the hands of Elijah. <laughs> he poured water on his hands. In other words, he helped Elijah wash his hands. You say, well, man, what good is, you know, what, what am I really doing? What am I going to do? Maybe just help him in life. Maybe just help him in life. So Paul speaks of this man, and he says that he was, he was that representative. This was his ministry, the one who supplied my wants, but then he speaks of his sacrifice. Because he says back here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 27, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. Verse number 30, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. Can I tell you, I, I really believe one of the great reasons that people are unwilling to go and be involved in this way is because there's a sacrifice involved. There's a sacrifice involved. 
He said, well, oh, I would love, you know, we've got, we've got missionaries we support in South Africa. I would love to go to South Africa. I've always wanted to go on a safari and see all the elephants and the giraffes and all the, you know, okay, great. You might get to do that while you're there. I don't know. You know what the reality is? It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's a pain in the neck to travel over there. It takes you like two days worth of traveling. You're exhausted. You're tired. You, you, you might have to sleep on a floor, you know, hopefully not, depending on where you are. Uh, it might not be real comfortable. You might be dealing with people that are hard to deal with, and there are some risks involved. You may become sick. I've been on, on many missions trips where half of our team went down with some kind of a stomach bug that killed three days because they couldn't leave the, you know, wherever we were staying. They were sick. I mean, it's just a reality. You might get sick. You might find yourself in a dangerous situation. And those realities oftentimes hinder people. Well, I would love to do this, but there's a price. You know what I'm thankful for about Epaphroditus? He was willing to pay a price. It says that he was for the work of Christ nigh unto death. Then it says not regarding his life. You say, well, I understand. Some, some people can do that. No, Jesus said, if you want to be his disciple, you've got to be willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. You've got to be willing to embrace the reality of some sacrifice. It might cost you something to serve God. But friend, listen, there is no price that is too great to pay for the glory of God. There, there just isn't. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy. And so here's this man. Okay, God didn't call me to go start a church. God didn't call me to be a pastor. God didn't call me to be a missionary. But how can I? Here's a man that God is using. How can I get in on that? I'm willing to pay a price so that I can be involved in this. So he made a sacrifice. Not regarding his own life. By the way, what an important role. Apparently this man saw the importance of this role so much that he was willing to say, even if it costs me my life, this is a need. He paid a price. But then I want to show you something else. Look at verse number 29. He says, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. In other words, okay, Epaphroditus, is, he's come back, he's, sent, he's carried this letter to you, but here's what I want you to know. Church family, you need to hold him in reputation. Now, I don't think that means put a sign on his seat reserved for Epaphroditus. Put him up in front of people. Put a crown on his head. That's not what it means. Here's what it means. Epaphroditus saw the importance of this ministry. And you as a church need to see the importance of this ministry. He paid a price, but it was a worthwhile price. And I want you to notice something really, really neat about this. Because I love this. Verse 25. Here's the Apostle Paul. Greatest missionary of all time, right? Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and 
companion in labor, and fellow soldier. What's he saying? You see, Paul's not saying, hey, thanks for sending that servant along. He's saying, you sent him, and he's right here with me. We're in this work together. Because you know what? One might plant and one might water, but God gives the increase. And we're laborers together with God. And we all might have a different role in the work, but it's all of our work. And we're to be in the fight together. So let's do this together. That's the idea here. And he's saying, listen, he's my fellow soldier. He's my companion in labor. This guy is a soldier for Christ. He's every bit as worthy of your respect as I am. And then he says this, my brother, my companion in labor and fellow soldier. But then he says this, but your messenger. And here's what I love about that word messenger. The word messenger comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is apostolos. That's the word that we get the word apostle from. Now the word apostle is a very general word that just means one who is sent. But it's usually used in reference to a specific group of people that God has ordained for a specific purpose. And what, what, what I believe Paul is saying here is this. You sent him just to help out in areas that you were lacking. You weren't able to help, so you sent him. But I want you to know, you sent a missionary. You sent an apostle. You sent one from among you, a layman, if you will, but he's no layman. He's an apostle because it's the work. He was involved in the work. He was to be held in reputation. And then we see his reward. And I want to show you this from over in chapter number 4. Okay, we're in chapter 2, but go with me if you would to chapter 4. Because this is where we hear of Epaphroditus again. Verse number 15. It says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So this church was committed to communicating with Paul, giving, making sure, supporting his work. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Then look at verse number 17. Not, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So here's the principle that he's bringing out, he says, when you give, speaking to the church, when you give, when you sacrifice to assist in the ministry, to help enable this ministry, you are taking part not only in the work, but also in the reward. And that's fruit that abounds to your account. Now, there's a, this, this is a principle that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You remember when, when uh, in 1 Samuel 30 where uh, David and his men go to recover everything that was stolen from them when Ziklag was burned and, and a bunch of those guys when they came to a particular brook, I think it was the brook Kidron, wasn't it? They weren't able to go across because they were too weary. So the rest of them go across and they win this victory and they get all these spoils and they're coming back and then there's some wicked men that are like, hey, what about these guys that didn't do anything? You know what, we'll give them their wives and their children back, but everything else, all the, the booty, the spoils of the war, that's ours. 
You know what David said? No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Because some people go to the battle, and some people stay by the stuff, and the reward is going to be identical. They're going to part alike. And so it goes all the way back to that time. And then Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 10. He said that he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And then we come over here and Paul says, I'm not desiring a gift, but I'm desiring fruit that may abound to your account. What's he saying? You sacrifice to participate in the ministry and you'll be rewarded like I'm rewarded. We've got some folks here that honestly, physically, cannot go travel over to Papua New Guinea and reach people for Christ. You couldn't do it. Even if you wanted to, even if you were willing, you physically could not do it. I understand. But did you know that as you sacrifice and you give to support the ministries and as you take time and pray for them, or you try to communicate with them, reach out and try to encourage them, did you know that you are a partaker in their labors, and every soul that is saved under their ministry is credited to your account. And every church that's planted in their ministry is credited to your account because some stay by the stuff and some go to the front lines, but they're going to part alike because some plant and some water, but God gives the increase. So Epaphroditus here is considered every bit as worthy of respect, Admiration, and yes, even reward, as Paul himself. And I just think that this is an important way as we kick off our missions month to not view this from the standpoint of, well, there's missionaries, and there's pastors, and then there's the rest of us. No. You can be a part of this too. You can be a part of this too. Every one of you, every one, there's not one of us that has an excuse to not be laboring together with our missionaries in prayer. Every one of us. And by the way, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 15. He said, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. When you pray for me, you're striving with me. You can pray. Tonight, Lord willing, we're going to take some time and, and highlight some of our missionaries that we support so that you can better know how to pray for them. And while none of us has an excuse not to be praying, most of us don't have an excuse not to be giving something financially to helping out the work. Do you know when you give to missions through Mount Zion Baptist Church, 100% of those dollars go to missions? We don't take 10%. We don't take 25%. We, we don't use that money to pay the light bill around here or pay salaries. We don't do that. That money, that you, when you designate on the envelope, missions, world missions, that's where it goes, to the furtherance of the gospel. That's what we do. You can, you can participate in that, and you ought to. Most of us don't have any excuse not to. And you know what? A good number of us have no excuse not to be participating as an occasional Epaphroditus. To say, you know what? 
I might not be able, I might not be called of God to sell my house and leave my career and, and move to a foreign country and go do that. But I could take a week of vacation and travel to one of our missionaries and just try to encourage them, help them out where I can, and be involved in the work. Because it's not just their work and it's not just my work, it's yours, it's your work. It's your work. You ought to help out. I want to challenge and encourage every member of Mount Zion Baptist Church to determine, Lord, I'm willing to go. If you'll let me go, if you'll provide for me, if you'll enable me, I, I will go and be an Epaphroditus because we are partnered together in furthering the gospel. Maybe, maybe that looks like going out tomorrow, setting up an appointment to go get your passport so that you can travel. Reading our missionary prayer letter so that you can know who has a need. You know, some of our missionaries ask, actually ask for people once in a while. We're, we'd like someone to come and help us with this, you know. Maybe you could help. I'm just saying, pray and see how God would use you. But let all of us determine in our heart, this is not His work. This is not their work. This is our work, and therefore it's my work. And I need to be involved, even if it means being an unsung hero. People may not know my name. People may not know what I did. But the Lord knows, and I want to be in on His work. Let's pray.